Hello, boys and girls, and welcome to episode 251 of the Motorcycle Men Podcast. I am Ted, your host, here in the V-Twin Cafe. Stand by, we got another wonderful interview for you. But first, the Motorcycle Men Podcast is brought to you by Scorpion Helmets. Scorpion EXO has been dedicated to offering high-quality, innovative motorcycle helmets and technical apparel at an incredible value. So to learn more, you go over to scorpionusa.com. And Shinko Tires, regardless of what type of bike you ride, when it's time for tires for your bike, think of Shinko. That's right. Go over to ShinkoTireUSA.com and you tell them that the Motorcycle Men sent you. And why ride in pain when you can ride in absolute comfort with the help of a wild-ass seat cushion? Your back will thank you, and you'll enjoy a mile after mile of cruising comfort no matter what type of motorcycle you ride. So get on over to wildass.com and order today. That's wild ass.com and order today and make sure you tell them that the motorcycle men sent you motorcycle men is supporting david's dream and believe cancer foundation if you would like to help out and be a part of something that actually makes a difference donate today to david's dream and believe cancer foundation go to david's dream and believe.org to donate links will also be in the show notes and the gold star ride foundation helping families of fallen soldiers and making a difference in the lives of those left behind if you'd like to be a part of a great cause and get some heartfelt miles in, go to goldstarride.org and learn how you can participate in the next Gold Star Ride. Time now for a word from our sponsors over at Tobacco Motorwear. Tobacco is known for making the best-looking riding jeans in the world. That's because they start with premium fabrics like selvage denim and canvas and then add protective elements like comfortable anti-abrasion linings and armor. Tobacco Motorwear makes jackets, vests, and riding shirts. And you've heard me say before, I love my California riding shirt and my tobacco riding jeans. I wear them on every ride. I just won't ride without them. Not only that, nearly every time I ride, I wear them, somebody asks me about them. Also, try their new Roper gloves, breathable, soft leather, and the most comfortable gloves you'll ever wear. And for added protection, check out their Wasteland vest. That's back. Plenty of pockets and armor and great addition to wear with your California riding shirt or under your leather jacket on those slightly chilly days. No need to sacrifice style for safety, so go check out TobaccoMotorWear.com. That's TobaccoMotorWear.com. And our listeners will get 10% off your order when you use that coupon code MOTOMEN. All right, now. As you know, recently I had the opportunity to ride the Harley-Davidson Livewire on two separate occasions. On both of these rides, my goal was to maximize the range as much as possible to see if it would be possible to ride like I normally do, the distance that I normally do, and in the same comfort that I am accustomed to. Going into these rides with uncertain expectations resulted in me being pleasantly surprised and impressed with the performance of this machine. Afterwards, I was wondering, would it be possible to ride Harley-Davidson Electric Masterpiece a great distance? Now, realizing that Ewan McGregor and Charlie Borman did just that, but with the added massive support system that they brought with them. But I wondered if it would be possible to ride a live wire across the country under normal conditions right out of the box with the existing infrastructure. Well, my guest tonight did just that. Joining me here in the V-Twin Cafe tonight is Diego Cardenas. Enjoy. 
Hello, boys and girls, and welcome to the Motorcycle Men Podcast. This is episode 251. Joining me all the way from, where are you, Diego? Uh, L.A., California, Los Angeles. Ah, Mr. Diego Cardenas. Diego, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me here. Thank you for uh, letting me speak up. That's okay, man. I'm glad to have you here. Diego has got a really interesting story, and it really surprised me when I read it, and I was very excited, and I figured I got to have him on to tell us all about what he did. So why don't you, uh, Diego, tell us a little little bit about your motorcycle self, what you ride, and what you do, did. All right, so motorcycle self. Um, Been riding bikes since the age of uh, 16. I am now 50, which means that you know, a good portion of my life, 30 plus years of, uh, of riding on and off. I'm originally from the city of Cali, Colombia, down in South America. Oh, okay. I here when I was a really young kid. Um, but I've been back and forth. And when I, in the stints that I was in Colombia, I started riding when I was around 15 or 16. And over there back in the 80s, uh, during the Pablo Escobar days, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, you know, if you were wealthy, you could afford a car. If you were middle class, you're pretty much a motorcycle. So... Uh, my parents didn't give me a car, they gave me a motorcycle. So my first bikes were like 125 cc, 75cc, real small cc bikes, but that's what I learned how to ride. I learned how to ride before yeah. I learned how to drive. So it's in my blood now to kind of gravitate towards a bike anytime I have a chance to. Uh, that's pretty much in a nutshell my motorcycle self. Motorcycle self. What do I do or what do I ride now? So I have two babies in the garage. Oh, you One got two. Baby. Oh. Yeah. Okay. The first, I, I have this knack for buying what they call the st- ugly stepchilds of whatever I ride. <laughs> right? And I'll tell you what you when you hear what I have. My first baby, my first love, uh, true love, when I got into the Harley Davidson scene, because prior to Harley Davidson, I had written Hondas and some other stuff, and like I said, small CCs. But my my second Harley Davidson, which is my true love right now, or my first love, is a 2002. Aluminum anodized Harley Davidson VRSCA. No way. You got original, one of those? Oh. The original, 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 original. You know, we're talking about wow, I know, anodized man. aluminum. And yeah. I mean, those are the ones that I still, to this day, 18 years later, I'm on a freaking stop sign. People will stop by, give me thumbs up, look at it, go, I've never seen a Harley like that. And then when I tell them the whole story behind the uh, V-Twin you know, race engine and the whole thing with uh, with Porsche and they yeah. get blown away. I mean, it's like this thing. And then I obviously, I kind of tricked that out a little bit. I, I, I trick out my bikes to the point that I make them mine, but I don't make them too change. So right. it still has the essence of the V-Rod. It still looks like a V-Rod, but I, what I've done is I slammed it down a couple of inches. I've gotten a big fatter tire in the back. It's still the same aluminum and uh, I instead of having you know the goofy handlebar, I made it more drag, more uh, aggressive yeah. style. So yeah. when you're riding it, it's like you're riding a freaking rocket, not Dude, riding a. Motorcycle. That bike is awesome. I fell in love with the V Rod when it first came out, and the fact that you lowered it, it was already low. Yeah, and no, I lowered it, it a little bit. <laughs> I didn't put air suspension. That's what I wanted to do. But I mean, when I started hearing the horror stories about the air suspension going out and thousands of dollars, and I said, you know what? I'll just do a little lowering kit on it, yeah. and it's permanent with the original with the original um, uh, suspension that it came with. But other than that, it's 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 a it's a really nice ride. I mean, obviously, it's not a it's not a twisties bike. It's not a handling bike, but it's something that once again you drive on by and people just turn around and go, whoa, what is that? Yeah. And just yeah. last week, I scored. I was at the shop. 
I dropped it off to my mechanic here down the street. He's been working on my bike for years. And he goes, dude, I just got some uh, pipes for your V-Rod. I go, some guy came in and wanted me to put the super trap system on his V-Rod. I said, so what do you leave here? He goes, oh, just those in that box. And I look at the box. Literally mint condition, screaming eagle pipes. Wow. And I go, how much? 60 bucks. I go, let's get yeah, out of here. Money. Seriously? 60 bucks, the whole exhaust, exhaust manifold and pipes, everything. Wow. So the now, first thing I did, I, I tuned them up a little bit. I kind of made them a little louder. Yeah. You know, you have the the, the, the the screaming eagle sound, but, you know, a little bit throaty or a little bit louder. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to, I guess I'm going to have to slap my power commander. But I've consulted with my mechanics at, at my local dealer. He goes, ah, your water, your bike's water cooled. So it's going to run a little hot, but don't worry, the water will keep it cool. Now, so. did you have the original curved pipes on there? Yes, I still have them. You still have, you still, do you still have them on the bike? Or you, oh, you, or you went with the Screaming Eagles? So, so, so. I originally, when I bought the bike back in 02, first thing I did is there used to be this place called vmod.com. Used to buy all kinds of modified stuff for the V-Rod. And the guy had this deal where if you would send your pipes or an extra set of pipes, they would de-baffle them, you know, back in 2000. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So I sent, I bought an extra set of pipes. I forgot where I got them. I think it was eBay. And I sent them to him. He V-modded them. I got my original pipes, put them in a nice little cellophane plastic, and I put them <laughs> over for 18 years. Ah. So I ran those louder pipes, the original stock pipes, which were not Screaming Eagles for like 17 plus years, whatever it was. And then just last year, I started noticing the age on them because they were like not looking good. They were scratched up, obviously a couple accidents, you know. And one day I just said, I'm just going to take them off. And I threw the originals back on and I put them on and talk about a letdown. I'm like, oh, my God, this sounds like so bad. I mean, it sounds so <laughs> low because they're really quiet. I'm like, no way in hell I'm going to be able to use this thing. So I tried a couple of tricks here and then I make it louder, but it just didn't work. And then my mechanic also calls me up with these screaming eagles. I said, yeah, take my take my money. And wow, he took man. it, he fixed them up, put them back on there. So that's what I ride for an ice bike. I don't know if you know the term ice, what we call that. Internal ice. combustion engine, right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Us EV guys, or we call you guys ice guys. <laughs> so when ice, for example, here's another little thing. Whenever you see a nice vehicle parked at a charging station, you call them an ice hole. <laughs> oh, look at this ice hole. Look what he did. He just parked his freaking car and I need to charge now. <laughs> so, you know, that's what we call them ice holes. But, that's um, funny. So, so yeah, so that's my my first love affair. But prior to that, I had a Sportster 883 95, yeah. which I love. Um, yeah. I don't know. I wanted something. I guess my wife says I, every, you know, she used to say every 10 years I go through a middle age crisis. <laughs> and every 10 years I have to buy a new toy that kind of gets me out of that crisis. Yeah. Obviously, the last toy is what I'm going to mention to you guys. So after the V-Rod. I then got my le- my late my in my latest uh, middle age crisis. I got myself a Livewire. Nice, because that was the only bike that, after you know, seventeen plus years of riding the V Rod, flipped my switch. I mean, I rode the FXDR. I've seen the other bikes. I'm like, ah, just don't do it for me. I mean, it doesn't. It, you know, it's like when you're dating that girl and your knees are kind of quivering and your heart's shaking. None of the other bikes ever did that to me. I'm I like, know I exactly what you mean. I know exactly I know. what you mean, man. And as soon as the Livewire, well, I knew that the Livewire wasn't in, 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 not in production, but it was in development. But, you know, just like everything else, I go to the LA Auto Show and I go to different auto shows and bike shows. And I see these gorgeous prototype bikes, but they're just concepts. I'm like, really? It's like, you know, I'm getting stroked for nothing here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I really want I really want to ride this. I mean, if you're making it, showing it, it's because sooner or later it's going to come out and I may have to straddle this thing and ride it. And obviously the Livewire had been under development since, what, uh, five or six years ago. Right. And then 
uh, since I'm a technologist by trade, I work in IT, every single year I make the pilgrimage up to Vegas, well, pre-COVID days, to Vegas to go to the Consumer Electronics Show where you can see the latest and greatest in technology. And I'm walking through the show and now all of a sudden I see a Harley Davidson booth. I'm like, what the hell? These guys, these guys are in the wrong place. SEMA was a month ago, dude. Yeah. You know, and <laughs> <laughs> so, so now I turn around the wall and I see a nice yellow live wire right there, production unit. So you can sit on it, rev it up, obviously, you know, get the idea for the speed, how fast that thing goes from zero to 60. And then they have this interactive demo where you could look at it. And then as you're revving up, this demo's taking you to this right. thing. It was, it was pretty gnarly. Wow. And I said to the guy, I go, so what's the story here? I mean, I know you guys have been working on this. And the, yeah, nice little prototype here because it's a little bit different than the original ones that I've been writing here throughout the years. He goes, no, we're distributing. We're starting to sell in September this year. I'm like. You're smoking crack. No, it goes, nope. Um, it's coming out. I said, okay, here's my credit card. Take my money. <laughs> I'll take this one right now. Oh, like, wow. Okay, so I'm like, okay. So fast forward a few months, you know, June of uh, 2019, uh, they once again tease me. Uh, Jesus Christ. They had this road show going around the country now with like this band with like 16 or 17 live wires floating all over the country. <laughs> And they call me up. They go, hey, we're going to have that road show down in Huntington Beach, California, Surf City, USA, Saturday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. If you want to go down and try it out for size. I said, yeah, I'll be down there. So first thing I do is hop. I mean, I literally call on my clients in my office. I go, I'm sick. I'm sick. I'm sick. I can't go to work. I don't feel good. I have diarrhea. I have anything. But I so I head on down to Huntington Beach, pull up where they're at. Obviously, I'm the first one in line. I mean, I'm there three hours before. They're, I'm even there before the employees are there. That's how bad it is. <laughs> Dude, so I, guys, I, I do the same up, thing. I do the same setting thing. Setting up my gear, my cameras on my chest. I'm, you know, I had cameras including on my gonads, man. This is yeah. crazy. <laughs> and I'm there. I'm the first one on the bike. And obviously, I'm talking to the guys. And one of the guys noticed that, hey, uh, he goes, dude, you pulled up on that V-Rod. I go, yeah. He goes, I'm a V-Rod too. I, I have a V-Rod also in 05. I go, you know, we're brothers. So technically, there's this unwritten rule that between V-Rod guys that yeah. we're all brothers. You know, before yeah, Harley, yeah. we're brothers. So if you ever see another V-Rod guy, he's more than likely he'll come up to you. He'll talk to you. You know, we're just V-Rod guys. I mean, literally, yeah. whenever I pull up with the V-Rod, another V-Rod guy comes over, he'll gravitate automatically to me. He won't go anywhere else. He'll gravitate to me or I gravitate to them. It's just this brotherhood that we have. You know, uh, it's funny because sportster guys are the same way. So... <laughs> So we do that. So this guy says, "Hey, I noticed that you pulled up on the on the silver Vera." He goes, "Yeah." I goes, "Dude, I got a black and I mean, I got a blue one back home." And he's telling me about his stories on his Vera. And he was a really nice guy. Obviously, he's the guy who's running this, you know, this 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 uh, trailer with all these demo bikes. I go, "Dude, I better, you know, now I now have an in here. I don't have to worry worry about long waits and lines and stuff like that." Right. So I hit it off real good, the good, and, and with, really good with the guy. And he goes, "Okay, here, you're you're the first one out." Have fun. I go, so how long do I get? He goes, yeah, only 10 minutes, but he winks at me. He goes, You're okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out. I'm out ripping. Specific. I don't know if you've ridden here in Southern California, no. but we have a freeway that is called the Pacific Coast Highway. Yes. Basically goes yeah. ECH. Yeah. And it's a real beautiful scenic ride. You know, you got the Pacific Ocean on your left-hand yep. side and just cruise on that. So I'm like ripping Huntington Beach up apart with this bike. And obviously, anybody and their mother had never seen this bike, and I'm the first stooge in the world riding it. So I'm like, another first for me. First yeah. first live wire in Huntington Beach, ripping up the, cra the, the, the the traffic. So I'm there, and I have all kinds of Ducatis after me, and obviously they're, they're behind me, and I'm like, I'm out. And the Ducatis are like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> you know, they don't hear it. They don't see it. And they tried to chase me, and I had a couple of uh, Triumph, you know, uh, Triumph, uh, 
really good sports bikes that they were. I mean, it was crazy. I, was, I had this caravan. So I would come back, you know, 35, 40 minutes later when I'm almost out of juice. And I go, so how long is the line? He goes, hold on, let me see what I can do for you. So following, you know, 10, 15 minutes later, okay, I'll get you back in. You don't have to do the line. I get back in there and go back out on another one that was fully wow. charged. I did that for the whole day. I mean, it felt like I was in Disneyland. It's crazy. <laughs> you know, so you got fast pass. <laughs> I, I got better than fast pass. I got VIP fast pass. So the next day I show up again, you know, obviously first thing in, first thing in the morning. I'm there Saturday morning and I see that the guys are having some sort of issue opening the booth. Like their networking wasn't working, connecting to. I guess the corporate site where all the bikes were kind of being monitored. Remember, as you know, the uh, Livewire has fully full pl- cloud connectivity, so sure. you know where it's at when it stuff. And oh, I go, dude, here, I help you. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm an IT guy, so let me go check it out. I mean, it's, one of two things could be broken: your router or your modem's fucked up. One yeah. of the two. So go over there and I looked. I go, just reboot your router. You reboot it, and everything starts working. Now, obviously, now I'm the hero of the party here. I'm able to open up the booth. I go, here, take the first one. Get the hell out of here. Come back. I go, okay. So so that was the whole weekend. So that pretty much, that weekend sealed the deal for me. I mean, oh, I good. was like, yeah. already convinced. That was like, I, I, I just needed advice. So then, obviously, I started going to my local dealers um, to see which one would give me the best price. And, you know, with the bike of this nature, dealers know what they have, and they're not going to budge. You know, it's, yeah. this is the price. By the way, we have a dealer premium on top. We're like, you got to smoke your crack. I mean, you're not going to sell more of these, more more than three or four of these a quarter, and you're still kind of slapping people on the face with them. So I went to a couple of dealerships, and and they all the same boat. And then at the same time, they didn't have it in stock. They had yeah. the point of sale equipment. They had everything, but no bikes in stock. They're on their way. They're on their way. They're on their way. And one day, I'm like going to. I'm having like four, five, four or five dealers that I'm visiting. And none of them are, are delivering. So then I go, I, I'm driving home one day from work. And I say, I'll just stop by this other dealership. They're called Laidlaw's Harley Davidson. Yeah, I know Laidlaw's, yeah. yeah. Not Laidlaw and those guys. And I stop by there and I go and I see one on the sales floor. I'm like, that's mine, dude. And he goes, no, I can't give it to you. This is VIP. It's came from corporates for another guy. He didn't want to tell me who it was, but I just can't sell it to you. This, this is like direct from the head honcho over there. Yeah. Somebody here. Nah. Okay. So I'm like, okay, great, but we could get you the second one, which we know is in the truck. I got a van and everything's on its way. I'm like, okay, dude, I'll wait for it. So all of a sudden, a week later, they call me up, says, your bike is here. Literally, I dropped everything that I was doing. <laughs> Told my customers, I got diarrhea again. I'm sorry, I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I left, got there, and the bike was there waiting for me. I Obviously, I had already pre-qualified, had all the financing taken yeah, care of, yeah. all the paper. So I just needed to pick up the key and see you guys later. It, it, it was nice knowing you. Um, and uh, since then, the, the love affair started. So um, what did I do during that time period? I just started, you know, tweeting, Facebooking, Instagramming about the bike. And I started a little community on, on, on Facebook, mainly. Uh, so what That's I the Harley Livewire Riders page. A, exactly. HD Livewire. So Facebook.com forward slash HD Livewire. So that's the, the HD Livewire is me and my exploits, what I'm doing with the bike. Sure. Because I'm, 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 I'm probably lucky to, I'm probably confident to say that I'm probably Livewire number one in Southern California and Livewire number 42 in the world. Because really? I got a badge number 42. Yeah. No I, all, all first 500 Livewires, except the one that I have back here. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All live wires in, in, in the world up to the five, number 500 are called the First Strike Series. It's a marketing thing that Harley yeah. Davidson did to recognize their uh, their client base, their early adopters like me. Yeah. And what we do is once you buy a bike and it gets registered and assigned to you through Harley Davidson, they send you this. Uh, I mean, I'll show it to you. Hold on. They send you this. Uh, oh, can you see it? No. Yep. 
Oh, that's you're my, disappearing. My... Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, there it is. Me. Yeah. Okay. Wait. You can't decide. Oh, there it is. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's my my special effect here. It's not yeah. working, but it's basically a, it's a frame that has a certificate of of authenticity of the bike right. signed by the CEO of Harley Davidson, sealed with a VIN number and the number of your series. So oh, in okay. my case, I'm up to 42 of 500, and it's called the First Strike Series. And then they send you a small pla- uh, small emblem, which is the size of the tank cover that goes inside the tank cover. Oh, okay. That that. So basically, first 500 live wires are going to be first First Strike Series, and I happen to be number 42 in the world, and number probably number one in Southern California. I oh, mean, wow. I know that there was one other one. There was obviously the one that I saw at the showroom floor, but the guy did not right. pick it up before I did. And then the other one was by a dealership that he kept for himself for demo rides. So I have that other title being the first live wire in Southern California. So since then, I just started tweeting about it, you know, talking about it. You know, in general, if you go to the page, you'll find so much information that it's not even funny anymore. Uh, people want, want to hear something, they just go there and, and see what I'm doing with it and how I'm doing with it and, and stuff. So then I decided on creating a sister page, which is what they call the Facebook group. That's the community effort where I kind of seeded that effort, yeah. so created it, put stuff together. As a matter of fact, I just kind of move over stuff from my personal blog there. And then I spark the conversation. And then the members there themselves start right. kind of working between themselves. So I'll throw an idea about this. And then the other one goes, on, oh, but I'm doing it this way. And then this one's doing it this way. Or the IA guy yeah. comes in and says, oh, I'm thinking about buying a live wire. Why should I? Or should I not? And then you have like five or six people. Right. And then, you know what? It takes on a life of its own at that point. Exactly. So now at this stage, I don't have to manage the community. I have to manage it from the policing standpoint of view. Yeah. Now, you know, potty mouse and people being, you know, bullies and crap like that. But other than that. It's taking a life of its own now where the community itself finds ways of helping each other and we exchange ideas and I'm thinking about doing this, I'm thinking about doing that, what do you think of this? Or look at this mod I just did on my bike or look at how I did this, look how I did that. And it's just becoming its own breathing, living entity. You know, just cool. Well, just by going on that page myself, I, I got, got the impression that there are far more people interested in or own the live wire than I thought. Yeah, so roughly, uh, my, my guess, I mean, the, the only Hardy Davidson has these real numbers is, I guess there's sub, you know, there's around four, 400 and some first strike bikes out in the world already. Whether registered or not, that's, I think, how many they've sold. And they, they'll be going on a year come September because what happened back last June is that they were distributing, they officially got out, but I don't know if you heard through the through the channel that they froze production of the live wire for like a day or so because there was an issue with right. the bike. I remember that, yeah. So, and, and it was and it was not that there was a defect with the bike or there was a recall, is that out of an abundance of being cautious, they wanted to make sure that that one bike that presented that issue was not a systematic issue, but it was more of isolated to that bike. Right. And which they determined it was isolated to the bike, they replaced it, they fixed it and moved on and then Bikes went out. Oh, you're back on. Yeah. So, so, so exactly. And, th- and that's nice to know that you're not getting a product that you're going to be the beta tester. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's been, been field tested as much as possible. Yeah, there's going to be glitches. Yeah. And I'm running into them. And that's why I'm so happy to always give them the feedback. Hey, I need you guys to look at this, look at that. Or you may want to address in this. You may want to address that. And they're constantly looking and asking me, for, you know, where or what or when are the issues. And they love that I'm an IT guy. So I give them real good details. If you do this, you do that, you do this. Boom. There it is. So your your decision to get the live wire was that because it's new technology, or is it just that you really just wanted another bike and that was the one that caught you? Uh, a little bit of both. Okay. So I wanted a new bike, 
So I was ready to pull the trigger. I had already gone and seen the zeros. Yeah. And I was looking at the Energica as already had already taken test drive on that. But when Harley came out with saying that we're going to come out with this bike, I'm a brand loyal guy. I love my Harleys. Oh, me too. Yeah, yeah. The Harley not only represents to me, you know, a a brand, but also a lifestyle. It's, you know, I'm also a Tesla guy. So, you know, it goes with what I believe in, you know. Sure. Yeah, sustainability, eco-friendly, but I also like having instant torque. I like being zero to 60 in sub three seconds. You know, there's all this stuff that electric gives you that for me to do on a gas-powered engine, it'd be Real tough. I'd have to spend thousands and thousands of dollars in grease monkeying around, and I, I, I'll take a computer apart, but I won't take a car apart. I mean, that's that's my nature. I know. You. So, <laughs> and to me, a Tesla or a Harley Davidson Live or whatever electric vehicle you're thinking about is just basically pretty much a laptop with two wheels and cloud connectivity. Yeah. Well, I have a question for with regard to that. You said you you rode the Zero and the Energica. Now, I, Zero is like the industry leader in that particular market right now. In comparison wise, I, I now I know we're both brand loyalists with Harley Davidson, but how would you compare the Zero and Energica to the Livewire? Um, Harley has 117 years of manufacturing know how. Right. They know how to build something and they know how to build it good. Yeah, you could kind of question it back in the 80s with, with the whole AM, sure. AM, AMF thing. But but in general, they know how to build something and know how to build it good. They know how to create something then how to create it good if they put their effort into it. And, you know, with five years of R&D, I don't think any other bike had so much R&D prior to this one. I mean, I you know, I, the reason why I bought the B-Rod is because I saw this video by Discovery Channel, you know, the making of the B-Rod, which blew my mind away when it came out. I was... I was all over it, but I think this even had more into it. And then add to it that it was all computer connected, you know, sure. technology, electrical, you know, all the good stuff that was nowadays. I mean, look at what Tesla's at. I mean, yeah. nobody, can, nobody can argue what they've built in the last 10 years. Right. Uh, you know, they're, they're worth more, I think, in t- than Toyota and GM combined already. So that's, uh, and they only sell three cars, Mike. <laughs> and they, they're worth more. That's what's funny. Yeah. So, so with that being said, uh, that's what drove me to buy it. It was the technology behind it, the R&D behind it, the new way of getting around. Um, I had already been a, I had been already converted to electric, uh, which is what I own already, a few electric cars. So it was just a logical evolution now. Why the Harley? Because those reasons, and I'm, I'm, I'm brand loyal, even though the price tag on it was way higher than any other electric bike that right. has even better specs. So the Energica, for example, the Ego, which is a like top of the line bike, sure. it's 150 horsepower. Yeah. I mean, it's zero to 16, 2.5 or 2.7 seconds right. hyperbike. I mean, it's crazy. It's out there with the Kawasaki's H2. Right, but how fast do you need to go? Exactly. No, but not only that, <laughs> right. but the, you see, so you have all these other specs and some of these other bikes have other features that the Harley doesn't have, but at the end of the day, I like the brand. I like what it stands for. And then I see, and, and with this, what I'm, you know, with the trip that I had, I, it was backed by a network of dealers that I can find pretty much from here to Timbuktu. There you go. And I, if, go. if I would have had the same issue on a Zero or an Energica, I would have probably had to abandon my quest of what I did because whenever you're road tripping on a new technology, you're guaranteed to have issues. Guaranteed. Yeah. So how those issues get resolved is up to how what type of a MacGyver hat you can wear, you know, hack yourself through it, <laughs> right. or two, what type of support you have yeah. to be able to get you through this deal. You know, so, uh, yes, $30,000, after those $34,000, you're like, that hurts, because that's as much as a Model 3 in a good day, you know, yeah. uh, Tesla Model 3, or two Toyota Camrys, you know, whatever you want to call this. Uh, but 
once you get on that bike, you don't feel the 30,000 anymore. You know, no. it's, it, it's not painful anymore. You know, it's like, especially when you pull up anywhere and everybody, I mean, I've done meetups with other electric bikes and they're good friends of mine and we all get together and ride when I'm riding, riding it. And literally I parked the library, they parked their energy because they parked their zeros and guess what? Everybody gravitates to That's amazing. So, 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 I mean, it has, that has power. So with that being said, hence the reason. So I test drove the other bikes and you can see it on the manufacturing side that it's better, better built, you know, the support side, it's a better, bigger company. I mean, there's so many different things, even though it may not have the top of the line specs as the Energicas and it may not be, have been around for 10 years like the, like the uh, zeros, but I just like the way it feels between my legs. Yeah. No, I, I understand <laughs> so, you completely. Yeah, I understand. So, so you, so, but you did some, uh, your bike is different. It's obvious. So you, you did some uh, customization to it. Tell us what you did. So um, being the way I, I've never, I mean, I've done some customizations on my bikes. Like I said, and anytime I've customized my V-Rod is because I had an accident and I didn't want to put it back together how it was. I want to put it back together a little bit different. So that's the reason my V-Rod has been kind of modified. So I'm not really the type of guy who likes sinking thousands of dollars into a bike to get it totally different than anybody else. I'm yeah. not into that. I'm into getting on the damn thing and using it as much as I can and getting it scuffed up and getting it used and then seeing the battle scars on it and then looking at the odometer going, okay, 60,000 miles, good job. Right. You know, so I'm using it for what it's for. Uh, what do they call that? Trailer baby or trailer princess is what they call those bikes at times. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I don't have a trailer princess. I'm sorry. Neither do so, I, man. Neither do I. So, so the first thing I started doing since, you know, there's really not a lot of stuff available for the V-Rod, at least the first two, three months of, of existence. You know, you try to figure out how am I going to make this thing even a little bit more different. I'm just By itself, it's already a different bike. People look at it and they have no idea what they're looking right. at. But then how do you make it a little bit more yours? So I started thinking, okay, maybe I should, instead of painting the plastics, because it doesn't have, doesn't have chains or doesn't have chrome, it has plastic and, and, you know, and the in, engine is the cover. I'm like, maybe I should just wrap this stuff like they do nowadays. You see all these cars yeah, that are wrapped wrap in it, these yeah. colors. So I'm like, maybe I should wrap it. So I go to my friends at Tesla because obviously I got some friends. I go, dude, what is the closest color wrap-wise that I can find to the Tesla Roadster that's coming out in, in a, like a year or so that's going to do 0 to 60 in 1.1 seconds? You heard of that one, right? No, Tesla's but I just did now. Holy yeah, crap. Yeah. I'll tell you about that one later. But yeah, it's going to do 0 to 60 in 1.1 seconds. It originally was 1.8, but he just dropped a, a bombshell on everybody saying that he's going to put a SpaceX package. So he's going to put uh, compressed air thrusters so it can help the electric motor. <laughs> That's I'm crazy. like, really? That's you're not have to wear. You're not gonna wear a freaking jacket in this car. You gotta wear a spacesuit with pressure <laughs> sensors so it can keep your blood from going to your ass. <laughs> My God, so, really? Yeah, that's oh, that's insane. Saying. That's what they're saying. One point one seconds. It might be more like one point three, one point five, wow. but still. So one point one seconds, zero to sixty on this car. But so I'm trying to get the color to match this car because uh, once again I'm throwing it out to the cosmos. As I tell people when I want something, yeah. I throw it on the cosmos, or maybe for my future um, middle age crisis, maybe by the age of forty three or forty four, I get another <laughs> one, and I'll get that car. So yeah. So I wanted to get that uh, color, so I ended up getting a color that matches it pretty well. Not as if they changed the spec. So I wrapped them around. I said, "Okay, what am I going to buy the emblem?" So I call my my friends at Hardy Gears. I go, "Hey, can you guys sell me the?" Uh, emblems that are on the live no we can't sell those we don't sell them anymore we don't sell emblems i'm like really if you need the part because it crashes it you know just buy a new painted part you know they sell the three part numbers you need black yellow or orange i'm like no i need the emblem so i said what am i going to do this is going to look too plain vanilla and i'm not a painter and i don't want to go out and spend thousands of dollars on on painting and right, custom right. jobs so what am i an it guy so i go to my dad my dad's an electronics engineer and go, dad where's my 3d printer he goes oh it's over here get it out we're going to put it out 
I go out there, I go to Thinkverse, which is this website where you can find pretty much any 3D part that you need. Yeah. I type in there, Harley Davidson shield. Boom, somebody had already done it. Okay, nice. I scaled, I scaled it to the size that I needed. I rotated it around. Okay, looks good. Boom, I had my 3D printer printed for me on black, black, uh, uh, black film or black uh, filament. And 3M and tape right on there? No, so yeah, so basically, but the only thing is the 3D printer is always flat. Yeah, yeah. All tanks, all tanks are, 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 are concave or they right, have some exactly. sort of angle. But, you know, 3D printing is heat element. So I just go ahead and applied a nice heat gun on As I applied it, it kind of molded to the tank. Got some 3 3M three, uh, three two-sided sticky tape industrial strength. And there you go. So I got now CVO-like emblems on my live wire. And people ask me, where'd you get those CVO emblems? Do you have a CVO? <laughs> I go, no, dude. Even Harley Davidson called me on it thinking that I got them somehow pirated or, you know, so I did some sort of legal move to get to you. I go, no, I painted them myself. If anything, legal can call me to kind of bust me for trademark infringement, but I'm not selling them. They're my own use. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> so I printed my own emblems and I just threw them on there and, and kind of uh, did that part. You know, it's pretty, pretty darn sexy came out pretty nice looking i originally wanted some carbon fiber ones has some guys selling out of uh russia they wanted like 400 dollars for some oh, emblems stupid. and i and and i don't I, I don't even know if i can bend them i don't i've never worked carbon fiber so i don't know if you apply heat on it and yeah kind of i don't know go, i don't know so i just went with what i know how to do and so i started doing just those basic things and then um I started then after that, I added some carbon fiber. So Hardy Davidson now released a bunch of carbon fiber yeah. for the bike. I got my hands on every single piece of carbon fiber that bikes has. Yeah. And I was lucky enough to get them and install them on. And did you put that front fairing piece on that has that little, uh, that little part that pops yep. up? Yeah, you did. Yep. Yeah. Did, that's, that's, that's part of the yeah. accessories that they sell for the live wire. So, um, and did, then what I did is I christened it and I named her, uh, Harley Davidson Livewire Red uh, Carbon Red Edition. Okay, so that's yeah. what I named this oh, that's So pretty cool. people think I've never seen a red one. Is this a model that they sell out there? And I go, no, it's, it's custom <laughs> made by me. So, but I'm trying to get Harley Davidson to come out with a red color and name it that. And then give now me I, I I imagine eventually they're going to come out with more accessories for the Livewire, oh, yeah. like like bags and racks and things like that. I'm sure they're good. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, and, and you already see some of the stuff, some of the sports bike stuff that's out there will work on the live wire. I mean, oh, really? for example, okay. I've added a seat bag on my, on my live wire. So I have a whole seat bag that sits behind me that okay. is held down by some straps. And in there I can put a, hel a helmet, anything that's helmet side. So it even holds my helmet when I'm off the bike, yeah. even though the bike has a helmet clip, so you can leave the helmet on sure. the bike and nothing's happening, but you can have that. So you have that. I've also, I, uh, a couple of my, uh, the guys who follow me in, in, in my pages and that are members of my group, uh, they've already bought saddlebags for theirs. Oh, wow. So they said, so, so there's aftermarket stuff already that now is being adapted to it. Yeah. Um, as in custom made for the live wire, I had a deal going on with the people from Corbin Seats. They wanted the bike for a few months and they, they had it for a few months, but then COVID hit and their factory was closed and I was going through bike withdrawal. So I had to go pick it up. <laughs> and I go, dude, when, when, when COVID's over, I'll bring it back and you guys can take all the measurements and make it because I do need a good seat. I mean, even though I have the aftermarket, the Harley Davidson uh, seat that they made for the live wire, they, they made a second one, which is a lot nicer, nicer stitcher stitching. I need something that's a little bit more cushiony. You know, these yeah. these um, bikes aren't meant, and I felt it during this last run that I did. I mean, literally, I had to ask my wife to get me, you know, some you know, some eyes and, and a sharpie mark. And she goes, "What do you want a sharpie mark for? I need to redraw my butt crack as I think it disappeared." <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> get a new butt crack drawn in because it's gone it erased itself but um 
What about uh, a windshield? What about a sport windshield on there? Anything? I don't know. I guess uh, um, I'm a V rod guy, so V rod yeah, so guys no don't use. We don't. We don't. We don't. We have we have Popeye arms, so we don't have to worry about that. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a wussy. Uh, um, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, what do they call that? I'm not a wussy, uh, bobber bike or, or clubber bike that needs a big ass shit to protect me from the wind. Come on, dude, be a man, take the wind. Take I get it. Man. I get it. You know what the yeah. thing is? I, I, I've always had windshields on my bikes always, but when I rode the live wire and it, of course it doesn't have a windshield. It didn't bother me. It wasn't that bad. It, no, they, it's they, not. They, they spent a lot of money on aerodynamics on this bike that, you know, one of the guys who I know who's really knowledgeable, he's been riding electrics for many years and he has energy because when he wrote test for the live wire, he said, dude, 80 miles per hour on the live wire doesn't feel like 80 miles per hour because I don't have the wind beating me up. Yeah, I'm exactly. energetic. I feel the 80 miles per hour beating me up. And we're going exactly the same speed. So a lot of the dynamics, and he thought it was some sort of virtual, you know, uh, some sort of virtual uh lift that they put on the on, on the on the cowl so it kind of just forces the air to go yeah. right overhead so but no I, I mean there is some resistance not as much as you expect but yeah there is some resistance. no with that little carbon fiber piece that you added on the front fairing that that little stick that thing that sticks up did that make a difference yeah I mean, there's a little bit i mean it's not i mean it does make a difference when you're tucking down so basically if i'm dragging the bike drag racing it yeah and i get my helmet at that level yes the wind just goes right over oh that's awesome that's pretty cool so so you're I'm, supposed to be in. now on june 30th it was your 50th birthday and you yeah. had other plans but you ended up doing something else that was far more remarkable so tell us about it so yeah so now a year ago in 2019 i told my wife you know after buying the bike i go you know this is you know, next year for my birthday she's going what do you want to do for your 50th it's a big you know big party we're going to be able to do something i go all right let's i mean i'm not into the party thing you know i'm over being then that i go if you're going to throw a party just give me the money i'll go spend it somewhere else but I said, you know what? Let's just go to Spain because that's where my ancestors, my ancestral home is from. And went to Spain, and we'll go to Spain, and, and we'll just go to this town called Cardenas, Spain, which is my last name, and and you know have the daughters see where you know their descendants are from, you know, or descendants from this you know, sure. generation. And um, but obviously, um, come March of this year, COVID kind of put everything in halt for everybody in the world. So my wife's looking at me, so what are we going to do now? I go, you know what? I don't know. I don't want to party either. We can't throw a party because we'll get busted by the cops here in California. We throw a party. We can't fly out. But at the same time, come on, it's 50. It's not like, I'm, you know, it's not like you're 42nd or 43rd. And it's half a century you've been on this planet. I go, I want to do something memorable. I want to do something where my wife and my kids and their kids and my great grandkids and 117 years from now when Harley Davidson is 240 years old, you know, saying this dude did this stupid thing back in 2020 and now it's 2055 and everybody's writing electric now. And this guy, you know, basically I want to write myself in history. somehow. Yeah. So the idea started brewing uh, when I went to San Francisco to let the Corbin guys and uh, bike meet up with a bunch of electric bikes at the Energicas and stuff like that. I drove the uh, live wire up there. I said, I just finished doing a 400-mile run, which wasn't that bad. You know, I, I planned it out pretty flawlessly, and I took some charging stops, and I found out that we have an interstate highway here called the Interstate 5. Freeway. It goes right across the state from south to north and north to south. And then that same interstate connects them to uh, Oregon and then goes to Washington State. Mm -hmm. And they've christened that as the West Coast Green Highway or West Coast Electric Highway. Right. Because there's enough charging infrastructure for you to take any 
type of electric vehicle. It could be a Nissan Leaf that only gives you 80 miles to as much as a Tesla and go across without having any issues. So yeah, I can technically make it from the borderline of Mexico to the borderline of Canada without any issues. So I found out about this free one when I went back down. I'm like, hmm, that just kind of seeded the idea. I started kind of maturing it a little bit more. I'm like, this is doable. So I would go into some uh, industry apps that we normally use as EV riders. One of them is called PlugShare. Right. And then in PlugShare, I mapped it out. I kind of told the app and they started adding live wire support. So the app had already built in support for the app, which meant that it knew the specs of the bike and what it can or can't do, depending on topographical and a bunch of other stuff. Sure. And I said, I want to make it out here. And it said, here's your route and start choosing which stops you want to do and how often. So I did that and I did three or four routes. I go, you know, this is so doable. I mean, it's, yeah, it's time, but what else am I going to do with my birthday? And it's my vacation too, so I might as well. So. I then had to pitch the boss, you know, the wife, and I go, hey, you know, I'm thinking about doing this. You know, we can't go anywhere. We can't throw a party. You want to support me on this? She goes, yeah, let's do it. You know, nice. you do whatever it takes. And she became my, my pit boss, my cruise chief, and then my little one became my videographer filming photo girl, <laughs> my eight-year-old. And one day on the 22nd of, of June, I, I had already announced it to the community that I was planning on doing this. And I wanted to announce it just because kind of let people know that I was able, but Harley Davidson got a hold of it. Because obviously they follow me now on, on social media and they, sure. kinda, they like what I'm doing. So as soon as that happened, they automatically jumped on board themselves too, saying, hey, you know, that's what you need, blah, blah. I go, I'm going to need your support because I don't know what I'm going to be facing. I'm not, I'm not sure. So I planned it where I had, you know, route A, which was all these stops. Just in case I didn't make it there, I had a secondary stop within two to three miles. And if that wasn't there, I had an inverter in the car. And if that's not there, I had an inverter on my 12-volt battery. And just in case, I threw a tow hitch on my little Ford C-Max Energy, which is a plug-in hybrid. And I had a U-Haul trailer in the back just in case something went bad. So yeah. I made sure that I had double, triple, and quadruple systems to continue the trip. Because right. I'm, I'm, you know, being an IT professional, you always think about, you know, redundancy, uptime, reliability, sure. resiliency. And then as a past scuba diver, you always want to second, second hand of everything. You So yep. just in case you run out of aid that, you know, run out of air 90 feet underwater, you can at least breathe with somebody else's tube or at least your backup is there. So you can. So taking that into consideration, I mapped it out and I said, let's go for it. So on the 22nd, I go out, oh, it'll take me four and a half, five days. And I'll be on cruising down on my way back. And, you know, I'll be celebrating my birthday on, on, on the drive back. And we set forth. Uh, the idea was real simple. Just get on the bike on the first charging station. I did a little live broadcast on my Facebook page. Said hi to the community. Said, hey, guys, it's the day. Um, I'll be doing a broadcast every 80 to 90 miles, hopefully. So within an hour, I'll be doing another broadcast. We'll see how many I get in in the day. And hopefully in four and a half days, you, me, and the bike. So the community, myself and the bike, will be in, in, in Canada. And they're like, everybody's, yeah, and they're asking me questions. And I'm like, responding. I mean, what else am I going to do during 45 minutes of charge time? Sure, exactly. <laughs> and responding. So I'm doing a lot of Facebook, which was pretty good. You know, I interacted with the people. Yeah. Um, hopped on the bike and just started San Diego, you know, Orange County, L.A. County, you know, so on and so forth. And uh, eventually made it past Sacramento. And I was doing good. It was the second, third day. And I was already in Sacramento. I go, God, you know, three, two more days of this. And I'm probably in Canada. So we're hitting temperatures of 150, 160 degree temperatures in the middle of California in the desert. And I'm like freaking out because this bike is running at 117 degrees Fahrenheit. I've never seen this bike run so hot. And I'm freaking out. So obviously, I'm going with my communicator calling my, my contact that hardly is. And I go, guys, this thing is at 117 degrees. Am I going to worry about explosions or something? 
they say, nope, as long as it's not showing you any error messages, you're good to go. So I'm like, no, I'm going. There you go. So we're at, so we're at a stop charging up the bike. And I saw my wife. I see and she, she's kind of pale and she's not feeling too good. She had, I think she had a bad breakfast. I'm like, okay, you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. And I'm out at the other side of the car, kind of doing my social media and looking at the maps and stuff like that. And I'll hear a thump on the floor. <laughs> and I look over behind the car and she's right there, passed out. Oh, no. So she had heat stroke. She was oh, so geez. worried about me being hydrated that she forgets. Forgot herself. Me, 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 and my daughter being hydrated. She forgets about herself. So I so I'm you know, putting water bottles on her and trying to get her up. You know, she came back too. I sat her in the car, turned on the AC for the blast, and you know, I said, "Are you okay?" And she, uh, you know, an hour and a half later, to her, she she felt fine. And then I asked her point blank, "Do you want me to abandon this quest?" I mean, I can't. I I don't care. My family comes before. And of course, else. absolutely. And she says, no, no, I feel good. I, I just probably didn't drink enough water, which I should have drank more water. So uh, we continued the trip, got on the bike, hopped on it, and rode all the way to the next 87.5 miles. I remember 87.5 miles to the night, my next charge station. Yeah. I get there, plug in, turn off the bike. And the first thing I do is I start touching myself, you know, going, where's my keys? You know, just to make sure you know you have that habit of where's your keys. Yeah. You don't you don't have a key you have to turn on to a, nope. an ignition. You just got to make sure that key's always on you in order yeah. for the and that sensation of emptiness kicks in. I'm like, oh fuck, there's my key. I'm like, shit. So I tell my wife, and she's like, don't worry, you know, it's probably here somewhere. I go, no, it's not here anywhere. The bike saying no fob detect. That means no fob is here. We're here. The fob is 85 miles away, <laughs> so there's no fob here. And she goes, but I said, no problem. We have pin start on these bikes now. So you have the ability to put a six-digit code, and you punch it in, and the bike will start. Oh, like, no way. Well, really? Yeah, That's so pretty cool. Livewire, yeah, it has a pin start mechanism. So first thing is like, I've never used it. I don't even remember what the pin start. So I call my dealership. I do it. What's my pin? He goes, that should be this, this, and that. And so I call my daughter, too. Hey, what's my pin, baby? Can you go to the paperwork? She goes, yes, this, this, and I'm trying this pin. It's not working. The bike is literally giving me the bird every time I put it on there. He's like, nope, nope, nope. Like, really? And I even made the bike go into some sort of weird diagnostics mode after a while because it was thing it was thinking somebody was trying to hack it or something. Wow. So I call my contacts at Harley. I go, dudes, I know you guys are really heavily invested in, 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 in wanting me to do this and get it done. But I now have a 911 and I tell them about my wife's situation. I go about my pin, but I go, I have a third level backup. Goes, what is that? I go, if you guys can't give me a pin and there's no way you guys can tunnel in remotely to the bike from wherever you're at, uh, from here where I'm in the middle of this parking lot and a charging station, I'm going to have my daughter then just FedEx me my extra fob that I had at home sitting down, the backup fob. Yeah. And we'll use that. So basically it forced me to have a day and a half vacation. So luckily we <laughs> broke down in a location where, where we're at Mount Shasta. I don't know. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. area out there, right, great riding, cascades, waterfalls, fresh drinking water. It was like the best thing in the world. Yeah. We broke down out there. And... So I get the key the following day in the afternoon after we had done hiking all, all day long the day before and half of the day after that. And I, yeah, I saw turn the on videos. The bike. <laughs> yeah, I turn on the bike and the bike is freaking not wanting to start. I'm like, really? Oh, well, that ain't good. What's up with that? No. I'm like, is the fob? I thought it was my 12 volt battery dead now. So I'm having to duck down and pull the battery out and test it out. Because I did take some basic tools, you know, yeah. to do some big gravity stuff, but nothing. To, you know, I, I want to get the IT guy comes to play. I go, it's not starting. Could be a battery because it's been flashing. You know, you know, the, uh, it's been flashing the uh, tamper alert alarms all day long because 
obviously there's no Bob and I'm moving this bike around on the trailer because I had to drive back with the bike. So it's thinking somebody's stealing it. I go, I probably killed the 12 volt battery. So I found a way of getting it charged up again. I took it to a local auto, a hardware store because these towns don't have auto parts stores. They have hardware stores that serve as, you know, from rice to battery cables. Oh, really? And uh, yeah, <laughs> it's a little town. I didn't have a stoplight. I mean, didn't have a, 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 a stop signal. I only had a stop sign for, for the town. So, <laughs> So that didn't get it to work. So I'm like, okay, guys, so what's the step? And call Harley Davidson. They go, well, the closest dealership that you have is 80 miles back even further no. in the city of Reading. So try to the bike back again and drive it 80 miles back. So now I'm back 180 miles of my original trip. I had to backtrack to be able to get to this dealership, which is pretty cool because they were not, you know, in order for them to sell live wires, they have to be trained and have their have the necessary equipment to be able to serve sure. service yeah so not every dealership in the nation or in the world is a live wire dealer right. they have to kind of opt into this and, and make the investment for it sure so this dealer had not been a live wire dealership but due to the fact that you know i was doing this this run for in harley davidson it was in their interest also for me to be successful on it they made the call and they said, hey, take it in and we will walk you through getting whatever he needs to get done. So right. they took care of the stuff. They were able to pro provide me a pin. We got the pin taken care of. They, the dealership did provide me two fobs because they were pretty pretty standard fobs for the other bikes that they have. They reprogrammed two fobs and hopped on the bike and continued my journey. So after a day and a half of vacationing, quote unquote, uh, I was able to continue the journey and then the rest was some smooth sailing. Really, my issues were not related to the bike's performance or the bike breaking down. It was me not um, being prepared well enough to take care of an issue. I prepared for anything else, but my wife passing out and me using. No, no, yeah, of course you got to take care <laughs> of family first. Now, we, <clears throat> did you have any apprehension about doing the trip on the live wire to start with? No, I've 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 done previous EV trips, not on on motorcycles but on cars yeah so back in 2014 2015 right after heart no no around 2015 2016 yeah somewhere around there uh right after quote-unquote elon musk said that he now has enough charging infrastructure to take you from east side to west side of the united states guess who had to test that theory oh did you really oh see i grabbed my model s a few years ago and i told my wife oh we're going on vacation where we're going new york she goes what do you mean new york i go yep get on the car we'll, we'll be there in a couple days and we hopped on the Tesla, and literally the Tesla mapped it all out for me, told me where they had to stop, how long. So that's where I got my training on EV, you know, EV uh, road tripping. Wow. Uh, and the best road trip I could have ever had because it, it made me go through towns, through places that I, my life would probably even visit. So with that being said, I go, you know what, this is not that bad. And and, and a road trip on a, on a, on a, on a Tesla, on an electric vehicle, makes you enjoy the trip for the sake of the trip, not to get to the final destination. Yeah. So that that you know that that mandatory one hour stop is stop for you to stretch, go to the bathroom, do some sightseeing, go to the locals, go to the park, take some pictures, and enjoy the trip. So instead of coming back home with two hundred fifty pictures, you're coming home with eight hundred pictures because you're taking so much stuff. You know, yeah. From seeing yeah. this, yeah. So so. Did that trip up to New York and back, and I, I got sold on. on I, and I was never a road tripping guy. I was never an RVing guy. Never going. I mean, I always wanted to get on a plane, get there, and do my thing, and come back. Now I'm enjoying road tripping because of the electric vehicle. I would never do this on a gasoline vehicle because it just makes my freaking skin curl when when I know that I have to pay gasoline and something. Well, yeah, my money. it would cost you a mint to do that trip. And well, I, I did the math. The trip. On a let's say comparable car to a Tesla, let's say uh, uh, an S500 Mercedes Benz or or a five to seven series BMW across the country, it would have been at least twelve hundred, thirteen hundred dollars in fuel. 
Wow. And how much did it cost you in doing that trip with the, the well, Tesla? How much did that cost you? Zero. I get electricity for free. Oh, really? Tesla. So it's, yeah, oh, no kidding. That one. So every Tesla, Model S Teslas get uh, get free electricity for life as long as you buy into it when you first no buy No kidding. Car. See, I didn't know mm-hmm. that. That's very so interesting. I, so imagine, I, my, my money was spent on food, entertainment, and lodging. That's it. Wow. How about that? So my... So my cross-country trip for a family of three, my wife, myself, and my daughter, and we didn't stay, you know, and, you know, we're staying Holiday Inn Express is $120, $130 a night because all you need is a place to shower and, and shave and, yeah, and, yeah. and, and sleep. Uh, we ended up spending $1,800, bucks, 1700 or something like that hey, for 15 yeah, days. Not, no, no. That's no, not bad at all. 20 days. No. So, I mean, family of three plus the memories you build on a six-year-old little girl or a five-year-old little girl. I mean, she still to this day talks about road trips and she wants to do another one. Wow. So. So so doing this fourteen hundred something. How many miles was it, by the way? To Canada? Yeah. Round trip. Uh, overall, well, the, it was like fourteen fourteen hundred and twenty when I got up there. But my road trip itself was well over twenty eight hundred. Right now, did you ride back? Yeah, I trailed the bike back. Oh, you trailed no, no, back. I rode. I, I trailed the back. Yeah. I mean, okay. I was. Uh, it was pretty. I mean, I could have probably written back, but it wasn't in the mindset. I have to be kind of pre-programmed for me and predisposed to yeah. think about that. Yeah. I did untrailer the bike here and there. There were certain spots that I had to ride all over again, like going up Mount Shasta, yeah, going yeah. up those hills, uh, those those twisties, and then we went to this place called Udo's Cave, which is this like real beautiful underground cave, and we took some really remarkable pictures of the bike sitting right in front of Mount Shasta. It was such a gorgeous sight. So we did a bunch of that stuff, and then when I got sick and tired, I just tell her to pull over, and I just turn it back up, yeah. continue, and then go to the next charging station, charge it up while we were sleeping. So you now, know, so. Uh, the obvious challenge with this 1,400-mile trip was about your range and your charging. What was your average range between charges, or and did you have any difficulty finding charging locations? No, so like I mentioned, weeks before the trip really got underway, and I had announced it, I was already I had already planned it out. So I went through chart uh, the the uh, multiple apps that are out there. The main one called PlugShare, and then I also use the charging apps for uh, Electrify America, which is one of the partner sites or partner companies that is providing LiveWire Juice and ChargePoint to be able to um, uh, set up a a, a, a trip. Uh, schedule where I was going to stop and you know sure. where the charging locations were. So with that being said, I pre-planned pretty well. I mean, I had Route A, Route B, and Route C, which right. are the same route. It just if this charger is not working, uh, bless you. If this charger is not working here within three miles, I had another charger. So my strategy was fairly simple. So I said, based on on the characteristics of the bike, I know that the bike can give me no more than ninety miles. 90 miles is me getting to a charging station at zero, pretty much, or one mile. Right. I don't want that. I don't want that range anxiety. So yeah, you need a little buffer. I, exactly. So what I did is I, even though the bike had 90, I calculated all my charging stops to be within 80 miles. So 80, 81, 82, 79, 78, around there somewhere. Okay. That yeah. gave me a, mer- a margin of error of 10 miles. Okay. Oh, that's not the so, so, yeah. So some of them were shorter because there was probably not the right station. 80 miles away, so I may have to do a shorter stop. So, you know, so you kind of played with the numbers here and there. But eventually, it ended up being like 25 stops, you know. And take into consideration that when you do a a, a, a a mountain climb, like Mount Shaft and some of the mountain ranges that I had some pretty steep elevations, since I don't know the bike that well, I've never done elevation elevations on the bike, I had to kind of, I would put like another 
provisionary stop in between that, just in case my bike was not was sucking up too much juice. By the time I got there, the bike would tell me, hey, we're passing the charging station that you have planned. Okay, no problem. Let's just continue because I have more than enough juice. Yeah. And then when I started understanding how the bike's dynamics were, I, I understood and I read the bike better. Then I was able to kind of forecast my riding a little bit better. So, yeah. So, I had a 10-mile buffer. Uh, I was doing 80-some-mile rides. Some of them were shorter. Some of them were around 80, but I didn't go past 90 because I just didn't want to have that range anxiety yeah. uh, that I, most people are kind of worried about. And right. doing that and taking it a mile at a time, I didn't look at the end result. When I got there, I said, okay, let's go to the next one. And then when I got that one, let's go to the next one. I forgot my end result was. I just took it one stop at a time. And then obviously between the stops, we did the sightseeing, the tourism, the shopping, the eating, you know, whatever needed to be done with the family and enjoy the vacation. Yeah. You know, did you, on the bottom of the display, there is the a little, the little bar, a little graph that gives you your percentage of charge and then your uh, uh, apparent range. Miles. Yeah, yeah, your miles available. Did you look at that a lot? Not really. I went off my map. I knew what effectively was. I did try to keep my speed at no higher than 60 to 65 miles per hour, even though there were 70 mile per hour freeways. I was keeping it just to kind of be more efficient as possible. As I got to know the bike even more and I started doing, I did a couple of custom settings of the bike. Yeah. Uh, as you know, the bike has riding modes mm -hmm. and those modes can be modified or you can clone them and make your own riding mode. So you got two extra, three extra riding modes that you can customize. So I did some riding modes that I then utilized. So as I was riding, let's say I was on a straightaway, no incline, I would probably use very little energy and no regen. So I can have whatever energy that the bike needed to get to 65 miles an hour, optimally utilized just for that range. So as soon as I started hitting hills, I would automatically change the mode to some sort of more aggressive mode to keep me at 65. But no region still because I don't want the bike to generate any 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 uh, any any drag. As soon as I hit the cusp of the mountain, automatically sent it to a mode where region was balls to the wall and power was zero. Right, Almost I get you. Next nothing because I don't need power to go down. I just needed to see that there was another little widget that tells you on on a sliding scale how much energy you're consuming or how much energy you're giving back to the battery. Oh, okay. So the more green I saw, the happier that it made me. So there was a run that I I was at fifty miles for like close to 45 minutes because it would just not consume because it was just going at zero. I was, right. I was cruising for free. Wow. So so you learn how to ride the bike and learn how to use it, which that takes you know some sort of skill because you got to understand the bike, the limitations. Yeah. And then obviously you got all these other variables. It's like golf, right? It's not just hitting the ball and making it go. It's yeah. making sure that you know, you know how to read the wind, the atmosphere, the temperature, the humidity. So all these different little nuances kind of also affect the bike and its performance. Yeah. So with that being said, I was able to hit my, I mean, I was hitting my charge stops, you know, within that margin of error, of, you know, 10 miles. Yeah. Did you, cool. did, did at any point you just stretch that to see if you could get that hundred plus? Yeah, well, no, I didn't stretch it because I was being conservative. I didn't mm -hmm. want to. I mean, worst case scenario, I could have just traded the bike and jumped on, to, you know, had the wife drop me off two, three miles later. Yeah. Wherever I could, sure. But I wanted to make sure that I was legit doing what I did. I didn't want to trade the bike if I didn't have to. And the only time I did trade her is because I had to go back negative 180 miles to get the pop thing fixed. Not yeah, because yeah. I was. So, but I did run into one station where it was no good. And uh -huh. I only had five miles left. So I'm like, okay, and the next station was 32 miles away, the closest one. It was one of those oddball places in uh, in Oregon where the infrastructure is not as good in California. In California, we have the best charging infrastructure in the nation by far. Yeah. I mean, you could pretty much go anywhere and, and you have charging stations from multiple vendors. 
So with that being said, I told my wife, Holiday Inn Express? Yep. I go, let's go. Let me find the, let me find the wall outlet. So I asked the uh, front desk reception. I go, do you have an outlet in here? I have to charge my cell phone. She goes, yeah, there's one outside. Okay. Put the back into the outside outlet. <laughs> went to sleep. <laughs> Following morning, I was back at 90%. Oh, okay. Well, th- that brings me to my next question. Uh, like, during, when, when you were charging, did you always charge to 100%? Yes. You did? Yes. Now, Even if I only had a 32-mile segment, I did charge the full hour. Okay, so you hung out for a whole hour. Now, on the nights that you guys stayed over, did you plug it into the hotel room? No. Only one night when I found that one charging station right. that was not working. Other than that, I would I probably had a charging station within a mile or two. Okay. Either I woke up early that morning before the daughter and the wife woke up and I took care of the charging on my own. That's when I did some of the live broadcasting. Or that night when I got to the hotel, I would have my wife check in and then I would go back to the charging station and hang out for 45 minutes to do my charging and uh, just do a broadcast out of there while I was on, on the air. Okay. Now, now, could you have plugged the live wire into your hotel room if you wanted to? Yes, I did. I mean, I took an extension cord. So worst case scenario, I could have touched oh, okay. the extension cord to my room and plugged it in. I always asked for rooms near on the first floor and by the parking area. So that was part of the strategy behind it. And worst case scenario, if they didn't really could or could not accommodate me charging the bike, my Ford C-Max Energy has a built-in 110 inverter, which I could have kept the car on all night long and yeah. could have kept charging my bike. Or I had also another backup inverter that plugs into my 12-volt battery, which had enough amperage to be able to power the bike up. Right. Oh, there you go. See? There you go. Um, so, so, yeah, I was I was never worried. I mean, as long as there was gasoline, I could have charged the bike. Okay, good. Now, what? so you already briefly explained what you did, but what did you do most times during your charging? Um, stretch. <laughs> Sharpie marker and, and Sharpie marker and redraw my butt crack. Uh, <laughs> uh, but no, most of the time it's, it's the community you see because I had a real time tracker. There's an app that I use. There's multiple apps that I use when I ride long, long distance. One is called uh, Detect, which is like an accident uh, detection system. So okay. if I ever go down this app, the, basically the gyros on the phone get rattled and then it will automatically send text messages to my close one saying, hey, Diego just got in an accident. Here's right. the location. So that's one of the apps that I used. The other app that I used a lot was an app called Blue Lane, and it's a real-time tracker. So oh, really? You go to, yeah. So you turn that app on. You say, this is where I'm gonna, where I'm at. Start, and it'll map it all out where you're at. So so I kept the app on for the duration of the period from the 22nd to the 30th, and people were following me. They were seeing me exactly to the to the meter or to the mile where I was. No, so that's I, pretty cool. So yeah, I'll, I'll put links to the show notes in those. Uh, that's pretty neat. Uh, I think a lot yeah, of people so, will be interested in that. Blue app is the app. Um, so, yeah, I was, I was able to kind of keep track of people were able to keep track where I was at. So between that and me stopping and obviously the stops were 45 minutes to an hour. Remember, not every single stop I arrived at zero. Not every single stop right. I arrived at 10. Exactly. Some stops I arrived at 27. So the, the charging was a lot less. Yeah. Um, during that time period, I took some pictures, uh, did some monologues on, on, on video. I was trying to this new camera that I have. I don't know if you've seen the latest video yeah, that I posted I did. on my the 361. Yeah, that's that pretty cool. Yeah, so I got an Insta360. My oldest daughter gave me an Insta360, so I started using that a lot more. Oh, my God, I got to give you a hard drive on this computer. Thing. Those videos are humongous now. <laughs> uh, Jesus Christ. 15 gigabyte. 15 gigabyte 10-minute file. Um, wow. So 
so it's it's crazy so yeah so i would do that and then i would do the you know the conversations with the community just telling them yeah. um you know what i just encountered the wind the rain this that and and i, I was kind of keeping keeping them appraised and it, believe it or not i didn't think anybody was going to even listen i had people cheering me on all the way from i had messages from new zealand that's so, awesome you know, we're, wow we're following you. we're following you 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 know we really want to see what you you know we're enjoying this i mean i can't wait until your next one you know i was getting that type of feedback i was like Really? <laughs> People watching in New Zealand? <laughs> That's great, man. Wow. You know, so I'm like, so it was, it was, it was pretty motivating doing that. And, and I guess they just wanted to see if, you know, it could be done. And, and you know, with the right infrastructure, infrastructure yeah. it can be done. But time goes fast when you're during that break. You probably didn't think that at first. I'll tell you this right now. After I got done with my stuff, literally, people would pull up. I mean, because they never seen a bike plugged in to a charging station where normally right. a car goes. Yeah. I mean, and I don't think they've seen many live wires, first of all. And I don't think they've seen many live wires being charged at their location at a charge point or at Occupy America. And first thing is that, is that electric? And obviously you have this big ass freaking fat cable connected. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> and then my next question is, do you see an exhaust pipe? Oh, it's all electric. <laughs> no exhaust pipe. It's not a hybrid bike either. They're coming, yeah. but they're not there yet. So, wow. I, so, so, um, and they go this, and then they start asking questions. Obviously, my my adventure hat comes off, and I put on my my Harley loyalist, you know, technology, yeah. you know, advocate, you know, number one sales guy for Harley. I, I I bet you anything, I probably sold more sold more people into the concept of Livewire than probably live, you know, Harley Davidson sales people themselves. <laughs> Um, so I talk to them. So by the time I'm done with that, I'm done with the conversations. My wife's really nudging at me, going, Come on, "Let's go." Yeah, you're here two hours. I mean, we gotta leave. So technically, that's one of the reason my trip took so long. Is not because I was out um, with the issues that I had. It was just I'm some, having such a fun time interacting with people on the social media, doing anything and everything that I want to do to make this fun uh, trip really fun. Oh, that's awesome, man! So now most of the roads you took were all highway, then, weren't they? It was it was 100 highway. It was the wow. West Coast Highway, which was the five freeway from all the way you know Mexican border to the Canadian. So, did you say you had no chance to uh, to ride secondary or rural roads at all on this? There could have been, but I didn't map it. Oh, okay. My, my goal, my goal was to touch one border with one foot and touch the other border with the other foot, yeah. and I did. You so, did. you know, and, and I proved on an electric bike that had never been done before uh, on the live board. Now, there's people who have done, you know, cross countries. I know some of them mentored me on this whole trip because as soon as I started thinking of the idea, obviously I'm searching who's done this on where there's a zero Energica. Nobody's done Energica zero. There has been a couple of guys who've done it. And I talked to a couple of them and I said, hey guys, we don't plan on doing this. And they said, well, you're going to be in a very elite club because there's only a handful of us who've done it on zeros. Uh, you'll be a higher elite club because you're going to be the first one on live wire. So, you know, my, our hats off to you. And they coached me on what to expect, how to expect it. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, and, but their bikes were different bikes, different times, less yeah. range. They, they had to literally crash in RV parts and stuff like that. Right. Uh, you know, so it was challenging for them. But eventually they ended up um, coaching me and with that information and with what I gathered. And I just kind of set forth and, you know, just, you know, set, in, set sail on the 22nd. Yeah. Well, tell us about your support crew. Now, it was your wife and your daughter. Um, yeah. <laughs> was it nice to have him with you? Uh, yes. Um, 
Yeah, no, she, they they knew that this was my time. This is whatever daddy wanted, whatever he wanted, it goes. So yeah. uh, if I wanted to ride until 8 o'clock at night, they would not question. They would say, oh, I'm a little tired. I would ask him, are you tired? Can I go? He would say, yeah, let's do one more. You know, So they were behind me 100%. I made sure that the little one had a nice you know, 5G-enabled tablet so she could kind of do her stuff while she, mommy was driving. And mommy, you know, I made them as comfortable as possible. And I think they knew the game plan. They knew what I mean. They're not strangers to EV cruising. Yeah. So with, with the Tesla trip, they knew what they were expecting. I know they were on the phone and they would come up. They would call me on my communicator all the time, see if I was okay. Uh, she would tell me, okay, we got the next stop, you know, in 60 some miles. I go, because for whatever reason, I would lose my cell phone would die on me or something happened. I go, okay, let me know when we're closer. And she would flag me down on the car. So we kind of built a system where they were supporting me on my quest. It was yeah. just not me doing it on my own now. Could this be done on your own? Yes, but get one or these, one or two of these on your, under your belt, and yes, then you can do it on your own. Yeah. Uh, I did it because I didn't know what to expect. It was right. the first time I ever did something like this, so I didn't want to fail miserably and also have to pay thousands of dollars in tow services. Sure. Yeah. So I want to make sure all those all those uh, uh, dots and, and eyes were dotted and T's were crossed before right. I, I set forth on it. But yeah, no, they, they were there 100%. They were supporting me. Um, you know, obviously we're not going to pack like we're going to be out for 20 some days. So very light pack. So obviously you have, you have to do laundry somewhere in a hotel somewhere at yeah. night and get yourself over, you know, monkey butt is pretty bad after a few days. <laughs> Did you have any communication between, aside from this, was it cell phone communication you had between yourself and them in the car? Uh, yes. Um, I, I, she would call me on the cell phone. I also have a couple of cardo units. Oh, okay. There you go. So, yeah. so she could also use the cardo just in case she needed to talk to me. Oh, there you go. So that helps out a lot. So yeah, she had it in the. What was your? What was the general reaction that you got from people when they realized it was an electric bike? I mean, did you have much interaction with people or yeah, other, yeah, yeah. or other riders, for example? Well, first of all, they couldn't believe it was a Harley. They thought it was some sort of Japanese bike that I slapped the logo on. Oh, I don't know. Funny. It's a Harley. So, yeah. So because the design on it, it's not nothing like any other Harley you've seen before. Right, exactly. Uh, so so I didn't think it was a Harley. And when I when start talking about it I and, mean, you know, show them the Livewire logo and they go, oh, OK. And some of the people who knew about it, they didn't think it was going to be possible because they didn't know that the five freeway had so much charging infrastructure. But in general, it was positive, interesting. They were into it. They were engaged, which meant to me that the future is bright for electric. I mean, believe it or not, you know, yes, you can argue because I, I get this all the time here you know, when I pull up into biker bars here and people know me here in Southern California. You know, I'm the V-Rod guy. I'm also the Livewire guy now. And I pull up and, you know, you get your hecklers at the beginning. Oh, you know, real never see me running that piece of shit. You know, at the beginning, they're apprehensive. They're not really want to be. Too, but then their their curiosity beats them and they'll come and ask me questions. Yeah. So what about this? In the, and what became a not a hostile, but a kind of. You know, tense conversation about them, their technology. I'm not out to tell you which technology is better. I'm not to tell you which one is your favorite. I'm just telling you that this is just another way of getting around. You know, believe it or not, it's going to be the future, and the right. future is here now. So, uh, will this ever overtake the ice engine? Not to offend them, I tell them, no, I think they're going to live together. Do I think it's probably going to overtake it? Yeah, but you and I will be long dead by the time that happens. Yeah, exactly, right. The, so, the so live I, wire is not a replacement for the ice. No, it's, 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 it's an it's, alternative. It's an alternative. Yeah, we just need to get those economies of scale, bigger adoption, whether it's the live wire or whatever the electric bike, and then economies of scale will take care of getting those prices down. I mean, you know, 
back in the 60s and 70s, it was impossible to have a computer. In the 80s, we were having computers that had 64K and one, gig, one megahertz of the speed, and they were costing $1,000. Now, you have a computer in your hand that is probably more computer than what launched the Apollo 11. Yeah, so, exactly. You know, and for, you know, for five, six hundred bucks. So so you start looking at, at stuff like that. So we just got to wait until all this stuff kind of goes into place. And and you'll see that elect electricity is going to be, to me, the number one mode of transportation, but many years from now. They're going to live together. We're going to see a lot of um, commingling of the technologies where you're going to yeah. have hybrid motorcycles, just like you see hybrid cars. Right. You're going to see all kinds of stuff. You're going to start seeing cruisers, uh, you know, a road king, a road glide, possibly with, you know, a hybrid motor in the back, you know. So that road king, road glide, instead of giving you that 250, 270 mile range, you're going to get 400, 380. Yeah. Well, that would be nice, right? Oh, my and God, then, yes. You know, and, then, and then at the same time, you get that zero to 60 in four seconds or 3.5 seconds because you got that electric motor helping that gas motor not stress itself so much. Or maybe you, instead of having a 114 on this big ass engine, you probably have 107 or even a smaller engine, but then you cannot put faster speeds, faster performance because you got an electric motor helping it in the background. Right, exactly. You bring up many, many good points there. So how, so, many, you know, so, so how many miles does your live wire have on it now? <laughs> There's only one live wire that I know of that has more live, more miles. My live wire hit, to, during my trip, I hit 10,000. Oh, wow. The day of my trip, the day on my birthday, the day that I was acing it, I, I finished getting out of the uh, – finished uh, finish that the uh, park where there's a nice – called Peace Arch Park. Uh, yeah. They shared both countries. I head back to the hotel room, and I told my wife, 10,022. That is awesome. Wow. That was that was an awesome gift from Harley Davidson's – my live wire to give me that at the same time. The only other live wire that I know has higher, and I got pictures of his odometer, uh, was Ian McGregor's. He oh, yeah, 11, that's right. He had 11,000 on his, but he no longer rides it because he, you know, once the movie was on, he's not like riding it. Anymore. Yeah, exactly. So, of course. So I, I'm, I'm a, a thousand miles away from beating him, and I hope I can. So. <laughs> I'm sure you will. So what's next for Diego and the live wire? Are you going to do an iron butt uh, or an iron butt maybe? Or maybe a saddle sore 1000? That's that's in the works right now. So, yes, I am already kind of tinkering the idea. I'm um, just doing a lot of the uh checks and balances, making sure that the technology does have what it takes and that the route that I want to take is the sanctioned route, you know, because, you know, there's a lot of technicalities on an iron butt that you have to make sure that you abide by so it can be certified and ratified as a, yeah. a true iron butt. So, yes, I would not be because there's only one other electric guy who's done an iron butt, but it was on a highly modified zero. My thing is this is straight off the showroom floor. Yeah. I want to try to do it. So I'm not modifying it. The only modification is just the paint color that it has. Other than that, really, it's stock is stock can be. Yeah. Um, and try to pull that off. That would be the next challenge that I'm th thinking about. I already have, as soon as the racetracks are open, I already have a date with my brother's Tesla, which he has a P100D with Ludacris, which does 0 to 60 in 2.3 seconds. So we're trying. I also got some fine-tuning tweaks and adjustments uh, recommended to me by Harley Davidson Engineering on how to optimize the performance of my bike. And if I lose, you know, a good 10, 20 pounds, I might be able to do sub 2.7s. So if I'm doing sub 2.7, he's doing 2.3, 2.4. At the end of the day, it's going to be who's faster off the tree, the Tesla or the Livewire. Wow! Look at that. So you got, so <laughs> you got, so you got some cool stuff happening. In, in, I got, and then yeah. finally. Finally, the guys from Electrify America, during the week that I was out on my road on the road, they announced they did a press release that they now have completed one leg of LA to Florida, so basically east to west. Really? West to, 
And then they're working on the second leg, which is northern part of the states, to come back from there. So once that gets done, hopefully within a year, that'll be the next challenge. Do LA so, Southern to, California to uh, Florida. Now, where, mm-hmm. in Fl- where in Florida is it going to end, I, do you know? I don't know yet. I saw the map. I saw some points at that. I haven't really studied it yet. But that is going to be the next challenge for me. You know, that one is going to take me. And I'm already kind of thinking sometime July next year. Oh, okay. So that one's going to happen somehow. So I'm going to perform. I'm just trying to get some other stuff aligned, other ducks aligned, like uh, being able to make sure that my support vehicle, because it'll be a it's To me, I make these vacations. So it's yeah. A trip, of course. Vacation. And obviously, as soon as I said that, a couple of my family members are flying from overseas. Oh, Scott, we come too. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> so now I got <laughs> You know, it's funny because last year I did a trip from New Jersey to uh, the Florida Keys. And it was nearly, I think it was like 1,300. Oh, it might have been the same distance that you had or maybe a little bit more, a little bit more actually. And I spent, well, I think I, I, for that whole trip, I believe I spent $300 in fuel for the bike. So... It, it, it's kind of, I would like to see, be able to see if that's possible to do something like that on a live wire. What? How? 1,400 from where to where? Well, from New Jersey to the Florida Keys. That'd be uh, interesting. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you this right now. I'll tell, I'll tell you this right now. Go on your phone, whether it's an Android or, or, or iPhone, and download an app called PlugShare. I have PlugShare. Plug I've got PlugShare. I've got okay. uh, ChargePoint. And okay. two other apps I have so also. So use PlugShare, and they have now, I don't know when's the last time you used it, they have a trip planner now. Yeah. Oh, okay. You just tell them point A, point B, and it'll automatically tell you oh, your route. Oh, that's awesome. And then, then you start, but do it, don't use it on the app. Use it on your desktop. Yeah. On the desktop, then you can start planning the trip, and then tell it based on your range how I did my trip, and it'll tell you if you can or can't do it. And just make sure you filter to all vendors available, because you don't want to just limit yourself to just, just um, oh, like your primary character. I'm gonna have so to check. To I'm gonna check that yeah. out. That looks pretty cool. I'm gonna do yeah, that. It, it, and then you can export that to Google Maps, and then once it's in Google Maps, you know, you're ready to rock and roll. All right, cool. So, how can people learn more about you and your LiveWire adventures? <laughs> uh, multiple ways. Uh, first one and the easiest way to—that's like the funnel, the portal to everywhere else—is uh, the Facebook page. I know a lot of people don't do Facebook, but there, you know, there's like, what three billion people do so. If you're one of those 3 billion people, you can go to facebook.com forward slash HD Livewire. Uh, so once again, facebook.com forward slash HD Livewire. That's my personal blogging page where I do all my escapades and all that crap that I do. Okay. Uh, the community is easily accessible from there. There's a community button in there. Just hit community and it'll take you directly to the community where all the rest of the propeller head guys like me are talking Livewire and you know comparing notes and you know trading pencils. Right. Uh, so that's that's one. The other place I just recently launched, and we're talking about last week. I launched the YouTube channel because everybody's going like, I don't do Facebook, and I don't do Instagram. I just do the YouTube. Some of the older guys. I go, okay, dude, I'll launch a YouTube channel. So I started now doing some content on YouTube. Right. And what I'm doing now is I'm trying to become a little bit unique. I don't want to be just another guy doing a review on a bike and all oh, talking about you know what I call torque grind. You know, tor- tor- torque grind which is basically the smile you get when you feel the torque of a live wire. So uh, <laughs> I, 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 everybody knows the specs. It does yeah. 60 day. Now everybody knows it handles great. I just want to show people what it feels to be on it to the best of my ability. You know, short from getting out the bike and renting it. And yeah, mind you, not everybody has the ability because you live in some sort of town where the closest Harley Davidson live wire dealer is five hours away. Okay, if you don't have that ability, you can at least get on YouTube, get on my page, and you've got a 360-degree perspective 
of what it is to take off on that bike because when you look at my videos, you're able to use either your phone on your finger on your phone or your mouse on your computer to look anywhere like if I was there with you and you can look down and see that speedo go from to 60 in three seconds. And you go, oh my God. So yeah. I have some pretty unique content that I'm kind of putting up there where it shows you some really nice roads that I ride in here in Southern California. Right. So I have a series called Riding the Live Wire In and then between parentheses or quotation marks, you know, uh, Yellowstone National Park or, or take a highway to the National Forest. And I'm doing all kinds of twisties and stuff that people don't normally get to do. But now with the 360 camera that I have, they're able to enjoy it not only from my perspective, right. but also as a real person riding in there with me. And they can hear the sound of the bike and everything as I'm as I'm cutting through the canyon, which is pretty awesome. Wow. And then I have my Instagram, which eventually became my my, my Livewire Instagram, which is at dcar 70 so you can see me there also, okay. and I answer a lot of questions, and people call me and comment and stuff like that. And obviously, I have the professional stuff on LinkedIn, but that's sure. more business-related. But yeah, you can find me in any of those places, and, and by all means, you don't have to have a live wire to, to friend me. You don't have to be, uh, as long as you're open to the technology, as long as you're a biker and you want to learn about the technology or just want to hang out, you're welcome to hang out. I have awesome. no problem whatsoever. Well. Diego, I want to thank you very much for joining me here on the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you about the live wire. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, no, my pleasure. Thank you very much for inviting me. And hopefully we can do this again when I do the drag race. And then we can do that one again when I do the cross country. And when I do all these other weird escapades that I'm planning <laughs> on. Maybe, maybe I'll talk to Elon and have him send one to space on one of his rockets. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, sir. Stick around. Um, I want to talk to you afterwards. Don't go anywhere. Hold yeah. on. Thank you for joining me and Diego here on the podcast where we talked about the Harley-Davidson Livewire and his 1,400-mile border-to-border ride on that wonderful machine. To learn more about Diego and the Livewire, you can go to HD Livewire Riders on Facebook. Links will be in the show notes. And, of course, you can always go to HarleyDavidson.com to learn more about the Livewire. And in both cases, I'll put links in the show notes and on the Motorcycle Man website. Don't forget to check out our fellow podcasters, YouTubers, bloggers, vloggers, and whose links you're going to find out on our links page. All of these media outlets and many more out there do great things to promote and encourage our sport and our passion. This has been the Motorcycle Men Podcast, episode 251, and I am Ted, your host. Thank you for listening, and remember, we say stupid crap, so you don't have to. Enjoy your ride, kids. <laughs>